Part One, Chapter Four of Quo Vadis, A Tale of the Time of Nero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Quo Vadis by Henrik Sienkiewicz, translated by Binion and Milevsky. Part One, Chapter Four. Petronius was as good as his word. The day after his visit to Chrysothemis, he slept till evening. Then he directed that he should be carried to the Palatine Hill, where he had a private conversation with Nero. The results of this conversation were not long in coming to light. On the third day a centurion with a small legion of praetorian soldiers appeared before Plautius's house. In that period of lawless and bloody deeds such messengers were generally heralds of death. From the moment when the centurion knocked with his hammer at Aulus's gate, and the guard of the court announced the presence of soldiers in the vestibule, a sudden terror seized the entire house. The family surrounded the old commander. There was no doubt that peril threatened Aulus especially. Pomponia, throwing her arms around his neck, clung to him with all her might, while she whispered words which were almost unintelligible. Lygia, her face white as a sheet, kissed his hand. Little Aulus clung to his toga. From the corridors, from the apartments on the upper floor reserved for the servants, from the domestic's room, from the baths and the arches of the lower dwelling, from the whole house, in short, crowds of slaves of both sexes began to pour forth. Cries of, Alas, alas, and miserable me, were heard repeatedly. The women began to cry. Some of the slaves were already scratching their cheeks, while others covered their heads with their handkerchiefs. Only the old commander, who had accustomed himself for many years to look death in the face, preserved his self-composure. His small, aquiline face was like stone. After he had ordered his servants to cease crying, and to return to their rooms, Plautius said, Leave me alone, Pomponia. If my end has come, we have yet time to say good-bye. He pushed her gently away. Pomponia cried, I pray to God I shall share death with you, Aulus then kneeling she began to pray with the fervour which could be inspired only by fear in behalf of one beloved aulus went into the hall where the centurion was waiting for him it was the old caius hasta his former subordinate and his companion in arms in the wars in britain i greet thee general said he i bring thee a command and a greeting from caesar here are the tablets and the signet certifying that i come in his name my thanks to caesar for his greeting and i shall fulfil his commands answered aulus i greet thee hasta tell me what commands thou bringest to me aulus plautius began hasta caesar has learned that in thy house is living the daughter of the lygian king who during the time of the divine claudius was given to the romans as a hostage that the boundaries of the empire should never be violated by the lygians the divine nero is thankful to thee commander for the hospitality shown her so many years but not desiring to burden thy house any longer and considering that this girl as a hostage ought to be under the protection of caesar himself and the senate he commands that thou deliver her to me aulus was too hardened a warrior and too valiant a man to permit himself to answer a command by lamentations useless words and complaints yet on his forehead there appeared a wrinkle of sudden anger and sadness years ago the british legions had trembled before aulus's eyebrows contracted in this way for a moment fear was reflected in hasta's face but now before caesar's command plautius felt disarmed he looked for a time at the tablets and signet and raising his eyes towards the old centurion said calmly wait thou hasta in the hall until the hostage is delivered to thee 
when he had said this he went to the other end of the house in the room where pomponia grycina lygia and little aulus were awaiting him with alarm death threatens none nor banishment into far-off islands said he nevertheless caesar's messenger is a herald of misfortune lygia it concerns thee lygia exclaimed pomponia perplexed yes returned aulus turning to lygia he began lygia thou hast been brought up in our house as our child both pomponia and i love thee as our own daughter but thou art a hostage confided by thy nation to rome and the guardianship over thee belongs to caesar and now caesar takes thee from our house plaudius spoke calmly but in a strained changed voice lygia listened to his words her eyes opening and shutting in bewilderment not understanding what was the matter pomponia's cheeks turned pale at the door leading from the corridor to the salon appeared the terrified faces of the female slaves the will of caesar must be fulfilled said aulus oh aulus exclaimed pomponia throwing her arms about the girl as if to protect her it would be better for her to die lygia leaning on her breast repeated mamma mamma not finding in her agony any other words aulus's face contracted again with wrath and grief if i were only alone in the world said he gloomily i would not surrender her alive and my relatives would have this very day to bring offerings to jupiter liberator but i have no right to ruin thee and our son who may live to see happier days so i will apply to caesar to-day and will entreat him to change his mind whether he will listen or no i wot not but now lygia farewell know thou that both pomponia and i have always blessed the day when thou first sat at our hearth he put his hand on her head despite all his efforts to preserve his calm when lygia turned her tearful eyes upon him and catching his hand began to cover it with kisses aulus's voice vibrated with the deep grief of a parent farewell our joy and light of our eyes he cried turning quickly he went into the hall so as not to surrender to an emotion unworthy of a roman and a general meanwhile pomponia conducting lygia to her bedroom began to console and encourage her with words which had a strange sound in this house where in an adjoining room stood the sanctuary of the household deities and the altar on which aulus plautius true to ancient custom made offerings to the domestic gods the hour of trial has come virginius stabbed his daughter to save her from appius lucretia redeemed her shame with the price of her life caesar's house is a den of corruption vice and crime but we lygia have no right to commit suicide we submit to another law more sublime and more holy and this law permits us to defend ourselves from sin and infamy even if we have to pay the price of death and torture it is by far a greater glory for a person to come out pure from the house of infamy our world is such a den but fortunately our life is short and the real life begins after the resurrection from the dead beyond which not nero rules but mercy and where pain is effaced by delight and tears by joy then she began to speak of herself yes she was quite calm but there were painful wounds in her heart her husband's moral vision was not penetrating his soul did not glow with a single ray of eternal light she could not even bring up her son in the spirit of truth and when she reflected that this condition of things might be prolonged to the end of her life and that then might come a moment of separation a hundred times more terrible than that temporary one over which they were lamenting she could not imagine herself happy without them even in heaven 
and she had already spent many sleepless nights in tears and prayers imploring pardon and mercy but she brought her sufferings to god she waited and hoped even now when a new blow struck her when the command of the tyrant took from her a dear one whom aulus called the light of their eyes pomponia still hoped believing that there was a power above nero's and a mercy greater than his wrath she pressed the girl's head still more closely to her breast lygia dropped to her knees and hiding her face in the folds of pomponia's garment was silent for a long time when she finally raised her head she had in a measure recovered her calm although with great suffering i think of leaving thee mother and father and my brother yet i know that resistance would not help but would destroy us all i swear that i will never forget thy words in caesar's house throwing her arms again around pomponia's neck lygia went with her to take farewell of the young aulus of the old greek who was their teacher of the servant who had nursed her and all the slaves one of these a huge broad-shouldered lygian who in alice's house was called ursus or the bear and who came to the roman camp with lygia her mother and their slaves fell at her feet and then kneeling before pomponia said imploringly o lady permit me to follow my mistress i will serve her and watch over her in caesar's house thou art lygia's servant not mine answered pomponia grycina but i doubt if thou wilt be admitted into caesar's gates how couldst thou watch her i know not but this i know iron i can break as if it were wood at this moment aulus plautius approached them and when he learned what they were talking of not only raised no objection but declared that they had not even the right to detain the lygian they were by caesar's command sending lygia as a hostage therefore they were also bound to send her suite under caesar's protection at this he whispered to pomponia that under the name of sweet they might send as many slaves as she deemed necessary the centurion would make no objection as there was some consolation to lygia in this arrangement pomponia was pleased that she was able to surround lygia with servants of her choice therefore she assigned her in addition to ursus an old servant two greek women from cyprus who were expert hairdressers and two german girls to tend her at her bath she chose none but followers of the new faith which ursus had professed for several years for this reason pomponia felt that she might rely on the servant's devotion and also consoled herself by thinking that the seeds of truth would soon be sown in caesar's house besides this she wrote a few lines to caesar's freewoman actia committing lygia to her protection for although pomponia had never seen her at the meetings of the adherents of the new faith she was told that actia never refused to assist them and read with eagerness the epistles of paul of tarsus she also knew that the young freedwoman was constantly distressed because of the difference between herself and the rest of nero's women in a word she was the incarnation of the spirit of virtue in the palace hasta promised to deliver this letter to actia in person and deeming it natural that a king's daughter should be surrounded by her suite he did not refuse to take the servants to the palace on the contrary he was surprised at their small number all he asked was that the preparations for the start be hastened fearing that he might be accused of lack of zeal in executing his order the moment of parting came pomponia's and lygia's eyes again filled with tears and aulus laid his hand on the girl's head a moment later pursued by the cries of little aulus who had been threatening the centurion with his tiny fist in defense of his sister the soldiers conducted lygia to caesar's palace 
when the old commander had ordered that a litter should be gotten ready for him he went into the picture gallery with pomponia and said listen pomponia i will apply to caesar though i think my effort will be fruitless and i shall see seneca though seneca's opinion counts for nothing with him petronius and Vinicius have more influence caesar probably never heard of the lygian nation and if he demanded lygia as a hostage it is manifest he did so through some one's influence it is not hard to guess whose pomponia raised her eyes in agitation petronius's yes there was a brief silence and the commander continued see what it means to let one of these conscienceless and dishonorable persons pass one's threshold cursed be the moment vinicius entered our house it is he that brought petronius woe to lygia it is not a hostage they want but a harlot from anger helpless agitation and pity for his adopted daughter his voice was more than usually husky for some time he had been trying to conquer his emotion, and his clenched fist indicated how severe was the struggle. "'The gods I have honoured, but at this moment I think the gods do not rule the world. There is but one divinity, malevolent, vindictive, monstrous, and his name is Nero!' "'Aulus!' exclaimed Pomponia. "'In the sight of God Nero is as a handful of perishable dust!' aulus strode heavily over the mosaic of the gallery many acts of valor he had accomplished but he had known no great misfortune therefore he was not prepared for this unforeseen blow the old commander was attached to lygia more deeply than he knew he could not realize that he was to be deprived of her moreover he felt insulted a hand which he condemned was over him yet he knew that he was powerless against it at length conquering the anger which had overshadowed his mind plautius said petronius i fancy did not take lygia from us for caesar he would fear poppaea's vengeance consequently he took her either for himself or for vinicius i shall investigate the case to-day shortly afterwards he was being carried in a litter in the direction of the palatine palace while pomponia left alone went to comfort little aulus who was still crying for his sister and threatening caesar end of part one chapter four